In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, again, talking about uh, spiritual gifts. And uh, I know last week I, I didn't quite get into chapter 12 much because I, I started, I kind of backtracked and, and we talked about the service gifts, which are mentioned in Romans 12, and we went through those, the uh, prophecy, um, gift, to, gift of ministry, gift of basically just serving others, uh, gift of teaching, uh, gift of exhortation or encouragement, um, the gift to give, the gift to lead, um, and the gift to show mercy. These were just a few that the Apostle Paul mentioned. I, I don't believe that j- these seven are it. I believe there's many other gifts um, that God gives the church. And I believe that uh, God has given you a gift, a gifting that he wants to use for the kingdom. Amen. I believe that wholeheartedly, that when you receive the Holy Ghost, um, God has a, a special plan for you in a way and in a purpose that he wants to use you for the kingdom. I really believe that. And tonight we're going to, so we talked about the service gifts. And before we get into chapter 12, I do want to touch on another list of giftings um, that God has given us that are mentioned in Ephesians chapter 4. Um, these are what we call the ministerial office gifts. Uh, I didn't, did, I, did I talk about this last week? The office gifts? I could not remember. Um, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 8. It says, Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. So God gave gifts unto men. And now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth. He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. In verse 14, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the the slate of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive. Can I just say that there's a lot of false doctrine out of there. Okay, there's a lot of just, uh, you know, these little uh, doctrines of men, and, and the Bible refers to them as the slate of men, cunning craftiness. That, and, and Paul was talking, he's like, I don't, the church should be not caught up uh, with all these little waves and winds of doctrine. Okay, they're all over the place. As a matter of fact, the weatherman's been talking about snow. It's false doctrine. Amen. I better not be a. I better not be a false prophet now. I've been rebuking. I've been rebuking that snow. We got a big old hole in my dad's yard right now, and it's going to fill in with snow. Anyways, I said all that to say that there's just there's a lot of there's a lot of ideas out there that we need to be careful of. Okay. By speaking the truth in love, may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, for from whom the whole body fitly joined together and 
compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part maketh increase of the body under the edifying of itself in love. So this portion of scripture, many would refer to this as the fivefold ministry. Um, some refer to it as the fourfold. However you want to fold it, okay? Uh, we're going we're gonna to refer to it as the ministerial office gifts that are gifts that God gave the church. Amen? I'm thankful for these gifts. Um, these are not just simply God's gifts to individuals within the church, but they are God's gifts to the church as a whole. In Romans 12, we talked about the service gifts, which speaks of abilities or functions. But Ephesians 4 um, talks about, speaks of offices. It speaks of a more formal or defined um, ministry, ministries uh, of the church. It says that when Jesus ascended to heaven, he gave gifts, and he gave us the ministers of the gospel. I can tell you right now, I was, I was in prayer today for Brother Chuppy, and I just began to thank God for a pastor. Thank God for a teacher in my life. It was a gift to me to have somebody to lead me. Amen. So these, these ministerial office gifts are gifts to the entire church given by God. Um, they can be described as leaders in the church, uh, responsible for equipping others and, and thereby helping the church as a whole function um, as, it, as effectively as, as it can. Uh, it helps uh, this, these ministerial office um, offices help the, grow, the church grow in maturity and, and become established in the doctrine and in the truth. And I believe that's why Paul was talking about these, all these little doctrines come about. He's like, I've given you gifts to, to help you so that you wouldn't be tossed to and fro with every wave of doctrine. I've given you leaders and I've given you pastors and prophets and apostles and, and teachers for this purpose. I'm thankful for these gifts that God gave the church. And in modern day terminology, we would, we would refer to them as just ministers, ministers of the gospel, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. So I'm just gonna go through these today. Um, starting with an apostle. Um, an apostle is someone who is sent with a commission, um, sent with a message. Uh, they're an ambassador. They're a commissioner of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and I would like to say that, understand that there was a special 12 apostles in scripture. Um, they, they were the original 12 uh, who were eyewitnesses of Christ. And of course, when, when they had to replace Judas, they replaced him with Matthias. But you don't read anywhere else where they, as the apostles were martyred, that they continued to replace the original 12. So those original 12 were, were set by God, and they were the ones who had seen um, the resurrection. And Revelations 21 and 14 refers to them specifically. It says, And the wall of the city had 12 foundations, 
and in them the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. So as we refer to apostles, um, present-day apostles, um, it's a little different than the original 12, if you catch what I'm saying. Um, A present-day apostle would fulfill uh, the role as a, a pioneer missionary, um, and, and maybe leaders of, of a territory or a, a logistical territory in a group of ministers. Um, both Paul and Barnabas were sent by the church at Antioch as pioneer missionaries and became known as apostles, even though neither of them were part of the original twelve. We read through scripture of others who were referred to as apostles. Galatians 1 and 9 refers to James, the Lord's brother, as an apostle. He wasn't part of the original 12. And Romans 16 and 7 uh, refers to Andronicus and Junia as apostles. And, um, and they weren't part of the original 12. So there was apostles in the book of Acts. And, and if we were to look to present day um, apostles, and I'm careful to just name apostles, but maybe Brother Denny, uh, uh, Benny DeMerchant um, would be an apostle to Brazil. Of course, you guys have read maybe, you know, I think he has a couple books about how he had the airplane and he um, pioneered that land um, probably back in the, in the 60s and 70s. And of course, even Brother Walter's could be considered an apostle to North Dakota, to, to Bismarck. He came here and, and plowed ground that had never been touched before. Um, so th- those would be what I would consider present-day apostles, and we um, today probably more likely refer to them as missionaries, and, and I'm careful to call every missionary an apostle. I'm careful to call anybody an apostle, Okay. Um, second one was a prophet. A prophet is one who imparts special messages or direction from God. Uh, many people may prophesy from time to time. Um, it doesn't mean that they fulfill the office of a prophet. There is a, we talked about the gift of prophecy as, a, as part of a service gift, which, like I said, is more of a general term for a spiritual utterance or, or preaching. And then there's the, the spiritual gift of prophecy mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12. And I believe that this is a referring to more of a prophetic word maybe given over the pulpit in a public ministry, a direct a prof- prophetic word from God. Um, but just because you operate in these giftings um, from time to time doesn't mean that you are um, a prophet. Does that make sense? Okay. One who holds the office of a prophet would be someone who is consistently used in this ministry in, in, in a public way. A uh, prophet is, is specially called and enabled to proclaim the, the specific will, purpose, and counsel of God to his people. Uh, they communicate message concerning God's plan for the future of the church's needs uh, um, that would need to take action in God's plan. Um, there are some differing views, I will say, on both apostles and prophets. Um, and I would say that we need to use great care in, in naming and claiming apostles and prophets, okay? 
Um, anybody who claims to be a prophet, it automatically puts question in my mind. I'll just be honest with you. Anybody who claims to be an apostle. Now, there are some cultures within the church that are um, way more open to naming these than we are. And it might be okay. That's probably okay because of their culture. Um, Brother Waldron, said, I think, said it pretty well. He said, he said, I'm more concerned about the functionality than the naming of a position um, in regards to these offices, especially uh, prophets and apostles. Um, then we have the evangelist. Of course, the evangelist is, is the one who proclaims the good news, amen, for the benefit of the unsaved. I remember being in services when I first got into church where there was an evangelist preaching and God had given him a gift to, just to touch the heart of the sinner. Amen, of course, in Acts, you know, we read of Philip, the evangelist. And this minister is particularly effective in winning souls, um, whether individually or in public ministry. Um, they're, they're gifted in evangelistic preaching, and they can preach to a sinner's heart, to, and it's a special gifting that God has given them. It's a special ministerial office within the church. Now, I would, if you were at the, the services this weekend, I would say that Brother Young and Brother Bankins are evangelists. Okay, God, has, God uses them in the, in the office of reaching sinners. That's, their, that's literally their full-time job. They get paid to go win souls, to teach Bible studies, and, and God uses them in this particular office. Thank God for an evangelist. Thank God for an evangelist. And then we have number four, a pastor. Pastor literally means a shepherd. It's one who leads and takes care of, of God's people. Um, we we read a few, a few different uh, terminologies in the New Testament, maybe referring to the same person, but we have a bishop, um, which means an overseer. We have a pastor, which means a shepherd, and I believe that these are interchangeable. Um, the bishop describes the position of authority and oversight, whereas the pastor refi refers to the role or the function of the overseer. Um, of course, the pa their, their function and role is to feed and to protect and to take care of. So in the New Testament, when we read pastors, bishops, and elders, it's usually just referring to the same thing. First uh, Peter 5 and 1 says, The elders which are among you I exhort, whom, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed said, feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not of filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away." Uh, the, the role of the pastor is an overseer of the flock, one who feeds the flock and leads them by example. And it is a, it is a great responsibility 
um, to be called to be the pastor of this church. I don't take it lightly. And uh, I, I don't want to do it for the wrong reasons. Um, but I want to do it because it's simply just the position that God put me in. And it's a serious thing. I pray every day that God would help me. Number five is a, a teacher. A teacher is simply one who instructs in God's word. And I believe uh, pastor and teacher really do go hand in hand. Uh, I, I believe that this, in, in this role it describes the preaching and teaching role of an overseer slash elder in the local church. Uh, many have been gifted to teach in various settings, Sunday school, Bible studies, discipleship class, those sort of things. But the office of a pastor teacher is the office of the leading preacher and leading teacher of the word in a local assembly, okay? The apostle Paul told Timothy that you need to have an aptitude to teach. You need to be able to teach and lead the flock. And I'll say it like this, that not all teachers are pastors, okay? But all pastors need to know how to teach. Um, God not only has given the pastor the gift of teaching, but God has given him to the church as its teacher and overseer. Again, I, I say that this is a serious responsibility and and I don't want to do it begrudgingly. I don't want to do it to, for any wrong reason. Any, any, I don't want to do it in vain at all. Um, and I, I will say this, and some of you know this, but I, I never, you know, some guys who are called the pastor, they, they're like seven years old, and God calls them to pastor at an altar. And like their whole entire life, they're like, God's called me to pastor. God's called me to preach. Uh, I will say that that's not how it happened for me. As a matter of fact, I did not want to pastor, if I'm honest. I did, I was not seeking this. <laughs> I, I, uh, I, and, and there was a short period of time where I ran from it. I, I heard the word of God. God was dealing with me about it, and I did not want it at all. And I, I'm just being transparent with you. And, and I came to a point where I'm like, all right, God, if this is really what you want me to do, I, I don't want to be miserable the rest of my life running from you. So you're going to have to work some things out. Because to me, it seemed like an impossibility that I could pastor. It seemed, it seemed so far-fetched that I could not believe that it, that it could happen. And of course, God worked it out. And I, I will say this, that I... I, I I'm feeling more comfortable than ever before. I'm feeling, I'm feeling settled in this position. And uh, it's taken me just a little bit. And I, I told somebody the other day, like, I'd rather come to the church than go to the window and door store. You don't see me much anymore, Nikki, do you? Yeah. Like, God has changed my passion. Okay, I never thought that was possible. Like, because I had a pretty, I was pretty passionate about business and what was going on there. And God has just changed it for me. And, uh, and that's because God has called me to this role. And, uh, and I just want to do the best that, that I can. And with the help of the Lord, um, God's going to see this church move forward. Amen? Amen. God's good. 
Right? And it really comes down to whatever God calls you to, whatever gifting he has for you, you're going to have to accept that. And that's, uh, sometimes it's not exactly what we want. Um, but I will say that God's ways are always right. And, uh, and if he wants to use you in that particular way, he'll work it out for you. Okay? He'll unfold it all for you. And, uh, and I've, I've watched him do it in my life, and I've watched him do it in other people's lives. And uh, God's ways work. Amen? The purpose of the five-fold ministry, it's for the perfecting and the equipment of equipping of the saints, the edification of the body of Christ so that they can do the work of ministry, okay? So the, the leaders in the church that hold these offices are, are really there to help the saints get to the point where they can do the work of the ministry, okay? That, that we could, that the, that for the edification of the whole body, that, that other saints could be instructed and, and trained to perform um, the, the function that God has for them within the body. It's to instruct the saints of God in their giftings and in their callings. I know I've said this before, but there's really nothing that I, that I want more than for each and every single one of you to function in the potential that God has for you. There's nothing that I want more than that. And I believe I've said this a while back, but I do believe that God sort of gives you a pastor a certain perspective where you can really see the potential in people. And, uh, and you just want people to reach that potential. And that, that is the, the purpose of the five-fold ministry, that the saints of God would do a work in the ministry. Amen? So then we get to, um, there's a, a, compi- a combined list in 1 Corinthians 12 that kind of puts the service gifts, the ministerial office gifts, and then 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the supernatural gifts. And we're going to get into that in a second. So then are the supernatural gifts that we're going to go through. And then there's a combined list that kind of puts all these together in 1 Corinthians 12. So these three scriptures, Romans 12, Ephesians 4, 1 Corinthians 12, are kind of your comprehensive lists of spiritual gifts. First one being service gifts, second being the five-fold ministry, ministerial office gifts to the church, and now 1 Corinthians 12, we're going to talk about the supernatural gifts. A lot of times we kind of just go right to the supernatural. We're, we're kind of drawn to these gifts, but there's a, whole, there's a whole lot of other gifts that God has given the church, okay? And, and sometimes they don't seem very, it doesn't seem very supernatural to come in vacuum. That's a gift to serve. It doesn't seem very supernatural to, to, to be able to be involved in, in business and, and administrative stuff. And, you know, if you're, Sister Sarah, you're in charge of Sunday school, organization, that's administration. It doesn't seem very supernatural, but God has given those gifts to the church. Okay? So now we're getting, getting it into 1 Corinthians 12, talking about the supernatural gifts. Uh, verse 1 of chapter 12 says, Now concerning spiritual gifts... 
Um, Brethren, I would not have you ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols, even as you were led. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus a curse, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. Now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. Say, everybody say the same Spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. Everybody say, that means everybody. These gifts are to profit the entire church. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. And this is where we have that list here of the supernatural spiritual gifts. And tonight, for the remainder of my time tonight, I just want to talk about the purpose of these supernatural um, gifts, and then next week I'm going to just go go through them one by one. But the purpose of the gifts of the Spirit, um, we understand that these are done by the same Spirit. These are Holy Ghost led, and that's it. Okay, this is this is God working. This is the Holy Ghost working, and we understand that the Spirit of God uh, dwells dwells in believers, it dwells in us to be a helper, amen, and to be a comforter, okay? Has, any, has God ever helped anybody? Has he been a comfort to you, amen? He dwells in us because he wants to help us. John 14 and 26 says, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. I say it all the time, but the Holy Ghost is the best teacher, okay? So I always say that as as a pastor, as a teacher, my main goal is to, to help to teach people how to be taught by God. Because you can hear me all day, but if there's not a connection to the Holy Ghost, that's what it means to to hear, but not to hear, right? They're hearing with their ears, but they're not hearing with their heart. So I can teach all day, but if if there's not a connection to the Holy Ghost, you're not really going to grasp it. So I pray every time I preach and every time I teach, I pray that people can hear the Holy Ghost because the Holy Ghost is the best teacher, amen? It's one who, who is called alongside to help. It's a, he's a consoler, he's our advocate, he's our helper, that's the, that's the very nature of the Holy Ghost. And, and the Spirit of God testifies of Jesus. Amen? The Spirit of God leads you to him. It glorifies him. The Spirit helps us understand. 
the word of God. The Spirit helps us understand who Jesus is, who he really is. The Spirit of God reveals to us the mighty God in Christ and the revelation of who he really is. I, would, I just got done reading the book of Revelations today, and I, I got done, and I just, I just felt humbled to serve this great and mighty God. I mean, you read the book of Revelations and you start, you know, just thinking about all this crazy stuff that's going to happen. What a great God that we serve. Amen. And the Holy Ghost gives us an understanding of who he is. The Bible says that we need to seek his face. I I was thinking that I want to know his demeanor. You know, sometimes my kids, when, when when, when they do something right or wrong, I don't even have to say say anything. They just know it by my face. They know it by my smile, my smirk. <laughs> and that's how, cl- that's how I want to know him. I want to seek his face. And just by his very demeanor, I want to know whether he's pleased or not. The Holy Ghost helps us to get to that point, amen? He guides us. The Holy Ghost leads us closer to him and prepares us for Jesus' return for his church. So really, the ultimate purpose of the spiritual gifts is to exalt Jesus, That's very simple, but if you begin to think about it, everything God does through the Holy Ghost leads us to him, okay? Leads us closer to him. The purpose of the gifts, the supernatural gifts, is for the church to exalt Jesus, amen, that he would be Lord in our lives, this, this, the purpose of him being exalted is the basis for spiritual manifestations. And in, in, in these opening verses, in verse 3, it says, Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. The purpose of the Holy Ghost is so that Jesus can be Lord in our lives. So I got to believe that the gifts of the Spirit, the supernatural gifts, the very nature behind them is so that Jesus would be Lord in our lives, that he would be in charge of the church, that he would be the one leading and guiding the church. Amen? So that would say that is the overall purpose of the gifts of the Spirit. In verse 7, it says, The manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. So again, that this would profit the entire body of Christ. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14 and 3 talks about prophecy, and that's one of the supernatural gifts. It says, speaking edification and exhortation and comfort to, to men. So these gifts are to, to speak edification, to encourage and to comfort the church. They are manifested to individuals for the benefit of the entire church. Amen. 
And God doesn't give spiritual gifts primarily to benefit individuals, uh, but to benefit the body as a whole. Now, these, these gifts do bless the individual. Okay? It is a blessing to be used by God in these particular ways. But the greater purpose is so that person who is blessed can then bless the church. Because okay? it should profit the entire church. The exercise of spiritual gifts should be governed by a consideration of how they benefit others. That's a good way to govern these. How do these, how does this gifting, how, how does what was just spoken benefit the entire church? And I believe that this also um, includes both believers and unbelievers. We talk a lot, when we talk about spiritual gifts, we talk a lot about the church, okay? But I do believe that spiritual gifts are to be used for, in the sake of unbelievers as well, okay? The church should always be in the process of reaching out to sinners. That's just part of what we do, right? As a matter of fact, that is the church's mission, that we should be constant. It's like, it's like the wheels on the church. Like this is, this is who we are, that we reach out to sinners. And there, there should always be a process happening in the church where people are being transformed into saints of God. This should be normal. That's why we had this seminar this weekend to, to get us encouraged to go preach the gospel, go teach Bible studies. I mean, I, I, I think it would be a good thing for the, the spirit, these supernatural spiritual gifts to also operate outside of this building. I think it would be good that when you go to the hospital and pray for somebody, that they're healed that God would use you in the gift of healing. I think it would be a good thing that when you pray for the the clerk at the counter who's having issues at home, that when you pray for her, God uses you in the gift of miracles and God takes care of that situation. I believe that these gifts, as a matter of fact, and of course, they're for the body. They're for the church. Amen? But it says the edification of the church, the building up of the church. This has got to include sinners on the streets. And if you look right next to you, there's a, there's a pew open next to you. And as far as I'm concerned, this church isn't quite complete yet as far as evangelism goes. And God's still building up the church. So let's use the, these spiritual gifts for outreach and reaching our world, amen? I believe that's the plan of God. It's part of the work of the Holy Ghost to convict the world of sin. John 16 and 8 says, and when he is come, speaking of the Holy Ghost, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of course, we understand that the whole, when we receive the Holy Ghost, we receive power to become, anybody? Sons of God? <laughs> I'm thinking of a different verse. Power to become witnesses, okay? To reach out. That's the very nature of the Holy Ghost. The gifts of the Spirit, 
bear witness and confirm the preaching of the gospel. Hebrews 2 and 3 says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which is the first, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him, God also bearing them witness both with signs and wonders and with diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his will. God confirmed his message through signs and wonders and the gifts of the Holy Ghost. I don't believe there's anything greater than sitting down for an hour-long Bible study teaching somebody the Word of God. And when you get done, you ask them if they have anything they need, they need prayer for, and you begin to pray for them. Amen. And God answers their prayer. You pray for somebody sick in their family. You pray for a need. And God uses you in a supernatural gifting. And God confirms the Word that you just taught them with the gifts of the Holy Ghost. Amen. That's the, that's the strongest way. I mean, that's a powerful way to reach the world is that there would be signs, wonders, and gifts of the Holy Ghost confirming the word that you just taught, amen? The immediate purpose of spiritual gifts is to edify, build up the church. This happens not only when existing believers are strengthened, but also by adding new Believers. As a matter of fact, uh, I've said this before, and I'm going to say it right now, and I'll say it again, that I think there's an actual hindrance in our personal growth if we aren't helping others grow. I believe that you are hindered if you are not reaching out to people. I really believe this. I believe that if, if, you, if you've never taught a Bible study, if you've never witnessed, if you aren't actively involved in personal evangelism, your best days are ahead. Okay? I really believe that. There's so many great things. It gives it, when you begin to, to reach out to others, and, and I'm not, you know, of course, Brother Cornwell was here, and, and of course, we all want to now be exactly like Brother Cornwell. I teach, you know, 25,000 Bible studies. That, that's probably not going to happen, okay, because we're not all Brother Cornwell. But I do believe that regardless, in some way, you should be involved. Whether, and I, I believe Bible studies are the greatest way. But if you can be involved in some way reaching people, if all you're comfortable doing right now is just inviting people to church, invite them to church. If all you're comfortable doing right now is just inviting people to coffee and, and getting to know people, just do that. But I'll tell you what, I believe that if you will do that, you will see God working in your life and you begin to invest in other people. And when you begin to invest in other people, all of a sudden your own little issues aren't so big no more. All of a sudden, you're like, man, I need, to, I need to go to prayer for them. Man, I need to, they want a Bible study. I need to, I need to study out that lesson. Amen. I, maybe I should fast today for that Bible study coming up. So when you get yourself invested in, in something that's beyond yourself, you will see personal growth. Amen. All right, so we understand what the purpose of these spiritual gifts. I'm going to name a few things that are not the purpose 
of these supernatural spiritual, spiritual gifts. Um, these spiritual gifts do not replace the word of God. Okay? Um, it does not, these supernatural gifts do not supersede the word of God. The Bible is our authority for instruction in salvation and for instruction in holy living. God will not contradict his word through a spiritual gift. Okay, I see, I see people on YouTube and it seems like they're operating in the Holy Ghost, but what they're saying doesn't line up with scripture. The Bible is the ultimate authority. He would not go against his own plans and purpose of the gifts of the Spirit. Um, he would not go against his own plans and purpose and undermine the Bible's authority. Um, so fr from this conclusion, we can, we can understand that the purpose of the gifts of the Spirit is not to teach doctrine. Okay? That's not the, the primary, primary purpose of the spiritual gifts, to teach doctrine. It is not necessarily to reveal the plan of salvation. Um, I do believe it can, it can confirm, um, it can confirm very powerfully what the Bible teaches, but it will not be the primary way people are taught to the plan of salvation. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14 and 29, it says, let the prophets speak two or three and let the others judge. So the listeners are to evaluate um, what, what is spoken and, and the standard by what we do so is the word of God. So when we judge um, a prophetic word given, we're judging it with the word of God. We've got to ask ourselves, does this line up with the word of God? The Bible is very clear on this. What did the apostles teach? Galatians 1 and 8 says, says but though we, the apostle Paul says, if there's any, he says, but though we, if there's any preacher among us or an angel from heaven, this is what he said, though, though if there's a preacher among us, or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. Okay, so we've got to, to line up with the apostles' doctrine, with what the word says, amen? So these spiritual gifts do not replace or supersede the word of God. They also do not replace spiritual leadership in the church, um, God gave the church the five-fold ministry, amen, for the equipping of the saints. God does not undermine the leaders he has appointed by prompting someone to challenge their authority through a spiritual gift, okay? If God told us to, re, to rebuke not an elder, okay, the Bible says, to rebuke not an elder, but to entreat him as a father. If God told us that, I would imagine that's how he'll handle correcting an elder as well. Okay? And, uh, um, and it's not going to be through a, a tongue's interpretation. It's not going to be through a mad emotional saint. I promise you. 
If it is, you know that it's all flesh and there's no spirit involved, okay? 1 Corinthians 14, says, for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as of all churches of the saints. If someone announces, thus saith the Lord, I rebuke the pastor. You guys laugh, but I've seen it. I've seen it with my own eyes and my own ears. Okay? It's all flesh and a little devil too. Okay? Has nothing to do with the gifts of the Spirit. If someone announces this, I'm here to tell you that they are out of order. Clearly out of order. For God will not contradict his own principles of authority. And that's a good gauge for spiritual gifts. Does it cause confusion? Does it cause division? Does it cause rebellion? Because God is not the author of this. Okay? I will say that if there's an elder... If the pastor needs correction, God will make a way. I'm here to tell you that he has, okay? I'm not beyond correction. I'm not beyond being submitted. And God has corrected me. Amen? But it most likely won't be through a tongue's interpretation. All right, we got that down. Number three, Um, the spiritual gifts do not replace our daily walk. This is a pretty important one. Supernatural experiences. I love them. I love super, I love a supernatural manifestation. But supernatural experiences do not provide a shortcut to maturity. Okay? They don't. Um, I have written here, side note, being used in spiritual gifts does not indicate spiritual maturity either. Okay, these are gifts. Um, but supernatural experiences do not provide a shortcut to spiritual maturity. It shouldn't be the primary source of determining God's will for our lives. Prayer, fasting, studying, The word of God, spiritual counsel need to be the primary source for the will of God in your life. Okay, so I'm gonna, I'll say this as I've I've had some people come to me and I believe that I'm not questioning it at all. I'm, I'm with them, I'm there to help them, but they say, Pastor, I feel like I got a call. Amen. Okay, I feel like God's calling me to the ministry, God's calling me to do something. And usually, I will say that those callings seem to come after a a very powerful move of God. Okay, They, they tend to come after stand conference, to come after general conference, to come after family camp, okay? That's when, that's when, it, when they get back and God, and I believe that God's speaking to them. I really do. And uh, I'm all for that. 
As a matter of fact, I've had some of those moments in a, in a very supernaturally supercharged church service where God was calling me. And I believe God uses that, and I'm, I'm good with that, and I'm okay with that. But that, those moments, can't necess- we can't neglect the process just because we had that moment, okay? There's still a process. And a lot of times when God calls you, you know, we don't always know exactly what it is. Um, I felt the calling on my life for a long time, and I never thought it was to pastor. But there was a, 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 a process that God brought me from a spiritually charged moment in the altar, and there was a process that directed the will of God in my life, okay? And the process is very simple. It's prayer. It's a walk with God. It's church attendance. It's faithfulness. It's paying your tithes and offering. It's, uh, it's uh, getting into the word of God, studying the word of God. It's, it's spiritual counsel in your life. This is the process that needs to be the primary thing that leads you into your call and into the will of God in your life. Now, God will use spiritual moments, and I'm thankful for them, okay? But what we tend to like to do sometimes is just wait for another supernatural moment, okay? We just want another word from God, what we're supposed to do in this calling that God has for us. And I've been guilty of this. There's been times where I'm like, I'm asking for a word from God and God's like, I've already told you. I'm like, well, can you tell me again? Can you just say it a different way? That's, that's kind of what we like. Okay, so these supernatural experiences, and I'm not, again, don't get me wrong, I'm not talking down to that because I believe God has placed them in our lives for a reason. Okay, it seems like... Seems like every few years, and this is for myself, every few years, God just gives me a very direct word, just a straight up word. And uh, so it's it's only every couple years. So between them, them time periods, there's a process, okay? And this process is really what's gonna help you walk in the will of God. That makes sense. Everybody looks so confused. But I'm I'm thankful for these gifts that God has given to the church. And uh, we're going to next week, we're going to delve into these supernatural spiritual spiritual gifts in in chapter 12. We're going to finish chapter 12 next week. We have the chapter on love and, and, and chapter 13. And then again, we go back into chapter 14 talking about, I'm really excited about chapter 14 because there's some interesting things there that I think will be very beneficial. Um, God is good, amen. Let's stand tonight. I wonder as we close, if we could just uh, ask God to have his hand upon the church. I, I pray that this Sunday you would just invite somebody to church um, we had a great, great service Sunday. 
Uh, God moved in a mighty way. Let's just continue to pray for all those who were here. We had a lot of guests and visitors, and uh, let's just pray for them and ask God to have his way in this community. Jesus, we love you. God, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy tonight. God, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity, God, to serve you. God, the opportunity to be a part of your kingdom. God, I thank you, Lord, for every gifting, God, and every gift that you've given to the church. God, I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing right now, God, amongst us. God, I pray for every man, woman, and child. God, every family tonight. God, in Jesus' name, we love you. In Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed tonight. If you could continue to pray for Brother and Sister Chuppy. My wife is down there right now, and uh, I'm going to be going down there with Brother and Sister Fuentes Friday morning. And uh, my wife did say that he had a better day today. And my wife had an awesome testimony about how God moved in that room through prayer, and they were singing today. And let's just continue to believe for a healing, pray for a healing in Jesus' name. Amen. Hi. Oh, that was loud. Yeah. Your turn. Your Tell turn. Bishop hi. It's Bishop. <laughs> pop, pop, I miss you. Hello. What? You're saying hi to Bishop. Right here, right here. We love you and uh, we're praying for you and uh, yeah. You're in our thoughts and our prayers. We love you, Pastor Bishop. Yeah. I love you, Pastor Chappi. I'm waiting. I want to see you right here pretty soon. I love you. Bishop Chappi, say hello. Yes, Bishop Chappi, we're praying for you. We love you. And we know that God is with you. And we just give him all the glory. And he is the healer. He's the mighty God, Lord. And we thank you. And we just lift you up. And we're praying for you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I love you, brother. Praying for you. Church is praying for you. You'll make it through, brother. Hi, Bishop. We love you and we miss you. Praise the Lord, brother and sister Chuppy. We love you. Praying for you. Appreciate you guys. Miss you. Miss you, brother Chuppy. I feel better. Love you guys. Hope you feel better. We love you guys and hope you get better. We're praying for you. Hi, Mr. Chumpy. 
Uh, who did I miss? Who did I miss? Matthew. Matthew. Say hi to Bishop. Hi. We love you guys. We'll see you Friday. I think that's everyone. We miss you very much. We're praying for both of you. I miss you very much, Sister Chuppy. So we'll be continuing to pray for you guys. Love you guys. <laughs>